Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. The show is brought to you by our Metro Bank One Day Cup partner, WW Martin. My name is Cameron and for this episode I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by a man who has recently established himself in the Kent side following multiple successful One Day Cup campaigns and also this year has even been on tour with the England Lions. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Nathan Gilchrist. Gilly, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. I'm very excited to have you here. Like even more so when I did my research and finding out some more about your backstory, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I think a lot of people will know, how is the body doing at the moment? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it's been a challenging year. It's been quite frustrating. At times it's felt really good. Then um, when I've tried to come back back to playing and, and trying to make my way back into the first team, then it, at different times throughout the season it's flared up a bit. So that's been frustrating. Um, but at the moment, as it stands, it feels pretty good. played my first game last week, Sunday, um, and then playing again tomorrow at the Oval against Surrey. So Looking forward to that? Yeah, massively, yeah. massively. The, <laughs> it felt really weird playing again for the first time last Sunday, but I've, I slowly got into the swing of things. I didn't play my best, but... I was just happy to be out there, so I'm looking forward to going again tomorrow. We're looking forward to having you back. We need a change in form. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's been a bit since we last spoke to Hoax last week. It's been a bit. How do we put this? Uh, it's not been the best of weeks for us Kent fans, but we're looking forward onwards and upwards to next week. But I want to start off with taking you back, really, all the way to the very beginning. So you were born in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about for those who don't know your your cricketing journey, but also like. Your life journey, how comes you came to this country and like how did you get into cricket? Quite a, quite a, not, well it's kind of a unique story for me. Um, I think there's a lot of South Africans or Zimbabweans that have come over to the UK. But as you said, I, I was born in Zimbabwe. My mum's side is all from Zimbabwe. So she grew up there and um, I was born there. So was my brother. Uh, my older sister was born in Tomwood Rolls actually. So not too far from here. Because uh, my dad grew up and he lived in, in London all his life. So yeah, I was born in Zimbabwe and then when I was three years old, moved to South Africa. Well, my whole family moved to South Africa. And that's where I grew up for the most of my most of my life until I was about 15. Um, so I got into cricket when I was, I think I was about seven years old. Um, just at school, kind of funny story actually, I at my primary school and the one day at, at break time, the PE teacher called all the boys into a, into a hall and said, well, sat us down and said, whoever wants to play cricket, stay seated. Whoever doesn't want to play cricket, then you can leave now. And I was just about to walk out the door. And um, he, he was like, Gilchrist, come back. <laughs> so it's like, you staying. So since then, I didn't even know what cricket was, really. My brother never, well, at the time, he wasn't playing. My, it never ran through my family at all, so... But all of my mates at the time just got into it and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll just carry on playing. What was the name of the teacher? Uh, his name is um, John O'Leafright. Well, shout out to him. Yeah. We have a lot to thank for him. Yeah, so definitely. how did, from you starting playing like recreationally back in South Africa, where's the jump to Somerset? What's that in-between stage? So I, like I said, I was just playing school cricket in South Africa and I never was playing any representative cricket for the provinces they called in South Africa. And then when I was about 15, there was the school that I was at, the high school I was at in South Africa, they had an exchange program with 
school in Taunton in Somerset, King's College. And um, I thought it would be crazy of me to pass up this opportunity not to apply to go on this cricket exchange. And luckily I got accepted and they sent me to Taunton. Um, and, well, Will Smead was my exchange student, so he's oh, really? at Somerset now. He still is at yeah. Somerset. And he came and lived with me for three months. And then from, I think it was like the back end of the year, because our summers were the back end of the year. Oh, no, no, sorry. It was from January till April. And then I came over from April until um, July, just meant to just be here for three months. Um, and then while I was over here, I managed to play a few academy games for Somerset. And at the end of the three months, they said to me, well, if you want to come back, there's an academy place for you. And the school, King's College, they said, if you want to come back, there's a scholarship. We want to offer you a scholarship and want you to come back full time. So... I mentioned it to my parents and they were like, just laughed it off at first. Right. Like, There's no way. And then slowly but surely I got them. I won them over. So yeah, that's, then I ended up, like a month later, I was back on a flight to the UK and I was, I left everyone in South Africa. My my friends, my family still live in South Africa. So yeah, I moved over to the UK when I was 15. Just to that's, that's a huge step for someone that age. Like a lot of, the stories is that people going through the academies here and whatnot are being supported by their family relatives and obviously you were but from as it sounds a quite a distance away how was that for you because obviously it's a, it's a difficult journey getting to the top level yeah but obviously without having your family here how was that for you um it was it was it was definitely difficult at times but I, I think looking back at the time I was just riding the wave I was the three months that I spent over here I made some really good friends and I was loving playing cricket over here. And I, like I said, I'd never played any representative cricket. So when Somerset showed interest in me, I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. I didn't, I obviously always wanted to be a professional cricketer, but I never actually thought it would come with an opportunity like that. Um, so, and then I went into boarding school when I came over. So it was good because there was a lot of structure. You had your friends with you all the time. Um, everything was planned out. I didn't have to cook for myself, which is ideal. I didn't have to do my own washing. So it was actually quite a seamless transition. Um, yeah. I know definitely at times my family, and, and I def- definitely did struggle. I wouldn't see my parents for three, four months at a time, which was tough at times. But I was loving it. I was loving playing cricket. I was loving, I was actually enjoying school for once, which okay. I never really enjoyed school growing up. Um, but I think because we had a lot of freedom at school and um, they kind of left us to do our own thing. I actually really enjoyed it. So it was actually tougher leaving school, even though I was older. Then I had to start looking after myself properly and I wouldn't see my family for longer because I'd have to be over here for pre-season and all different kinds of things. But yeah, looking back now, it seems like quite a major move. But at the time I was just like, oh, well, mm-hmm. It is, it is what it is. Well, another major move that obviously you went on to do in, in 2020. I want to get this right, so correct me if I'm wrong. So you joined on a loan initially, is that right? Well, yeah, yeah. But I, I'd i already signed for the following November. Right. Uh, we'll start from the following November. But because I had signed halfway through that shortened season in that COVID year, mm-hmm. it was just agreed between Kent and Somerset that I would... I'd start my journey at Kent a bit earlier, so I just right. came on loan for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, so it worked out quite well because I got to know everyone earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I managed to make my deb- my first class debut and Kent debut that year. So yeah, that was really good. Give us an insight into how that move materialised. How did you first find out about Kent's interest? Who was it that spoke to you? What was it that convinced you to leave Somerset after what was obviously you had this great connection to them, those teenage years growing up there. So what yeah. was it that made you move to Kent? Um, so I was at Somerset. I was on, I was there as a pro for two years. I was on the academy for two years and then I was a pro for two years and I was, my time as a pro, I was only on two one-year contracts. And then during that COVID year, they offered me another one-year contract. And although I was grateful to be offered a new contract, I just, I was looking for a bit more stability at the time. And the squad that we had at Somerset at the time was really strong. Um, so I was never, I didn't really see myself getting into that that team. So I played a lot of second team cricket up at, until that stage. And I just felt like I needed to be playing first team cricket so I can and learn that way. Um, and yeah, it was interesting because was, COVID was going on. So there was a lot of uncertainties about future of of cricket at the time and I was in my last year of my contract at Somerset and I think as of the 1st of June you can speak to other counties if you're in your last year of your right. contract and when the 1st of June came Tim Grunewald actually who I played with at Somerset yep. who then made a similar move to Kent he got in touch and, and he basically just said Kent's interested in you they've had a look at you they, they'd, um, they'd love to chat to you are you willing to speak to them I was like 100% yes so then it all kind of happened pretty quickly. I, I had a few Zoom calls and phone calls with Paul Downton and then a few Zoom calls like Sam Billings and Matt Walker, the head coach, Simon Cook, um, and got a really good feel of the club pretty early on. And I think I knew that I'd I'd wanted to have a change at the time. So, yeah, it was kind of – it was, it was a tough decision because um, Somerset, obviously, a really good club and – like I said, I had a lot of connection to the club, but I think at the time I just needed a change and the opportunity came up and I was like, definitely, I'm there. Well, you've made, well, we'd all say as Kent fans, the correct decision because you've gone on to take near 100 wickets for the club now, maybe even more. I don't know if it's just a class. Like, well, no I, I think it's, it's in around that amount. And obviously last year, huge for the club, you played a pivotal role. This is the One Day Cup podcast after all. And uh, first off, is that your greatest achievement in cricket so far? The win in the 2022 One Day Cup for Kent? Yeah, definitely. Definitely up there. Um, that was a, yeah, it was a great day. I um, have a lot of good memories from that day. Well, I want you to take me through those memories. Obviously, you took three wickets in the final. Yeah. But as I th- I think, yeah, you're the first person on the podcast to have not only been at the club at that stage, but also played in it. Take me through your emotions during the day, what you can remember from it, and any errorable moments or scenes after that game. Um, it was it was a funny one because there were a few games leading up to that final that the emotions were so up and down because there were stages where I thought we're out here. Like the thing was against Yorkshire where Grant hit the last ball of the game for six. Yeah, yeah. And games like that where I was like, and there were a lot of games actually that I was next into bat as well. There was that game. So I was just saying, please just get us over the line because I hopefully they don't need me out there. And then there was another game, Hampshire, this, I think it was the semi-finals where Steve-O did mm-hmm. his thing as he does. 
Um, and I was next into bat then as well. So my emotions are up and down then as well. But then the, actually the final, it was funny. I was said to a few people, there was never a point in that day where I ever felt like we were going to lose. And even if we lost a few wickets or we were under the pump a little bit at any stage during that day, I never felt like we were going to lose. Obviously, we got off to a really good start with the bat and Joey had a really good day out with the bat or a good day in general. Yeah, it was the first time playing cricket that I've felt like, wow, this is a big occasion when I was opening the bowling. And I didn't bowl my best, but for some reason I was very relaxed. And even though I didn't bowl my best, I thought, well, we still got a game to win and you can you still have, I think it was another five or six overs to bowl um, mm. to finish this game off. And I, w- I just wanted to contribute anywhere I could, even though I didn't bowl well in the beginning, I just wanted to contribute in the field and save runs, take catches, whatever it was, and then come back in the end and hopefully close the game out, which luckily that happened. But yeah, it was just everything seemed to go our way that, that game. Uh, there were some good catches that were taken. Um, everyone was fielding well. Everyone was bowling pretty well throughout the day. And yeah, I think I don't remember too much of the celebrations afterwards, to be honest. Um, Where were they? Were they in the dressing room to begin with and then... Did they seep out elsewhere afterwards? Or? Yeah, yeah. So we, as soon as we we came off, um, I remember having a bottle of champagne in my hand from pretty much <laughs> from like five minutes after we came off. Um, and that stuck with me for most of the night. But So we were in the dressing rooms for a while. Then we went back to the hotel and there were more drinks and food on. That's when all the family and friends right. joined us, which was really nice. And then after that, it was... Carnage. <laughs> we, that's when everyone just kind of, well, everyone tried to go out together, but everyone ended up doing their own thing. But okay. everyone was everyone was out. Even Steve-O, the old man, was out. Even Steve-O, what a legend. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, we want a repeat of those scenes, hopefully, this year. But, again, I want to take you maybe back to the beginning of this season. You were included over the winter, thanks to your great form at the end of last season, on the England Lions tour to Sri Lanka. How did you find this out? Do you just get a call from... Well, who do you get this call from? Um, so I got the call from Mo Bobat, uh, who works for the ECB. And initially, I didn't have his number saved. So I just answered and I was like, hello, who is this? He was probably like, <laughs> who is this guy? Yeah, so he he said... Well, there was a, so there was, a, there was a trip before Christmas mm-hmm. and he called me and he said... Uh, you've had a really good season, but unfortunately not on this trip. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I was in Cape Town over the winter and I was expecting to be there for most of the winter until end of February. Um, and then he called me again around, I think it was just before New Year's, is New Year's Eve. And he said, we're going to Sri Lanka in, I think it was like three weeks time. So it wasn't much time at all. And he said, we want you to, we want you to come on this trip. So... I was obviously over the moon. I was really happy, but I had not bowled a ball all winter up until then. So it was it was a bit stressful trying to get my bowling loads up so I could go on the trip and actually contribute on the trip. So yeah, then I ended up flying from Cape Town to Sri Lanka where I met them. And yeah, it was unbelievable. I loved it. It was, we had a really good squad. We had a few guys who played test cricket in that squad and there was just so many, so many guys to learn off. Um, and a few people I know, there was Ollie Robinson that we I've, I've played with a lot, who was 
he's obviously left us now, but and then a few of my old Somerset teammates as well, which was which was nice. There were a few familiar faces for me, but it was it was a really good three weeks. I loved it. Yeah. So that that first call that you got saying that unfortunately you weren't in the squad, did you have an inkling before that that you were being considered, or did this random call come saying, "Hey, we're looking at you, but not this time"? How how did that happen? Uh, like, was I, it a surprise that first call, or you kind of knew that they were looking at you? I was a bit surprised that he called me to let me know that I wasn't on <laughs> right. on the tour, which I actually really appreciated, yeah. and I had a chance to speak to him and get some positive feedback on what I can improve on and what I've done well in the last few seasons. But yeah, it was. I I wouldn't say I had an inkling that I I was in their minds. I think. It kind of goes under the radar. I know that there's scouts that come and watch the games. Um, they have players that they go, they they want to go watch, and there's a lot of scouts that come to our games, but you never see them, you never speak to them, so you don't even know that they're there. So I had no idea that they even were looking at me. But yeah, it was it was nice to to know, even though I, when he called me, it was nice to know that I was at least on their minds and I was in their in the peripheral vision of of their plans going forward. Yeah. So, on this tour, who who are you rooming with? Was it some of your Somerset friends? I think Tom Abel was on the tour, and obviously saying Ollie Robinson. Yeah. How how does that work? Do you have like uh, I don't know. I'm I've been on one tour. Yeah. It wasn't quite an England Lions tour, <laughs> uh, and we had four of us almost sharing beds at points. So right, okay. so what the levels to this? What was this like being on tour with the England Lions? Luckily, we all had our own room, oh. which was nice. Well, okay, it was. I've nice. missed out. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't have mind rooming with any of them, but it was quite nice just to have your own space after, after training. Cause it was, it was tough training out there. It was, it was hot, it was humid and the training sessions were quite intense. Mm-hmm. So when you get back to the hotel, you just want to have a shower and just relax and not worry about having to speak to anyone. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was nice. But like I said, there were a lot of familiar faces for me in the squad, which I spent a lot of time with. And there were a lot of guys that I got to know and, that I hadn't met or played with before. So yeah, it was, it was really good for me. So obviously you've come back from that tour. I, I imagine ambitions through the roof. You've had this experience and then, you know, not an easy topic to talk about, but then you've got injured again and had a vast proportion of this season struggling with your injuries. Yeah. Can you kind of take us through what that's like as a player, a professional sportsman having to deal with like the mental side, obviously the physical yeah. side is one thing, but You've just come off this great tour, wanting to continue your progression. What is that like for you coming back and then getting injured? Yeah, it was tough. Um, and it has been tough for most of the season because, like you said, after the winter, I had really high hopes for the season to hopefully kick on and, and carry on the, the progress that I'd made the last few years. And then at the time when I first got injured, it was... I didn't know what it was or I didn't know how long I'd be out for. So at the time and what I've experienced from when I've been injured before, the first bit you were super optimistic and uh, it's going to be fine. Um, hopefully it'll be go away soon. I'm going to be on it. I'm going to get my rehab stuff done. I'll be back on the park in no time. And because I my injuries lasted three, four months or most of the season, that definitely that drifts away, that kind of optimism. And it's, it is tough especially when you see the rest of your teammates traveling up and down the country playing and, and winning and doing well. It is hard and I'm just in the gym doing some boring 
rehab exercises. So I think this year I haven't really been injured in the past before. So it was it was quite new to me, and the mental side of of it was definitely the hardest part to get through. I think physically I can I can manage my body and get through a game if I'm not feeling hundred percent. But yeah, when like I said, when you're going through the dull, boring rehab stuff day in day out, then it definitely gets to you. So yeah, it has been it has been tough at times, but hopefully I'm out the I'm out the other I'm side now. Well, as we said earlier, you've got the game tomorrow to look forward to. What are your personal aims for the, you know the finishing months of the of this season and going forward into the winter? Um, I think at the moment it's just getting my body up to speed with playing again. Obviously, because I haven't played very much this season at all. I played one game beginning of the year, but I wasn't at my best. Then I had a long break between playing again last week, which definitely it, it took me a while to get up to the speed of the game. So I think in this one day comp, obviously I want to com- contribute as much as I can to winning games for Kent. But I think the most important thing for me and the team right now is the last three championship games, the end of the season. Yeah. So they they're quite big. Um, for us this season so I want to make sure that I'm fit and ready to go for those hopefully all three games but yeah as many as I can towards the end of the season I just had a thought what is the process of you getting ready for a four-day game like the workload especially as a fast bowler yeah how long do you need to say you've back from injury realistically how much time do you need to get that workload back into to be ready for a four-day game it can take a while um I think usually give you about three weeks a month just of right. bowling just to build up your bowling loads to get ready for a four-day game so luckily now that it's the one-day comp I can I don't have to put as much time into getting my um, bowling loads back up in order for me to play but like early in the season when I was trying to come back to the championship side I had to I think it was about a month where that was the plan of me bowling and training then I I think I was playing like two or three second team games getting my loads up and even in those games I had bowling restrictions on how much I could bowl. So it takes a while. So that's part of the frustration as well as you can feel good, you can feel fit, but then you've still got a chunk of time on the sidelines just getting your body up to match fitness, which can definitely take a while. Um, yeah, so it's it's not just... I guess for the batters it's a bit easier because they can yeah. get injured and if they fit and they feel good, they can come back and play whenever they whenever they're ready to go. But for us bowlers, it takes a bit longer. Going into the winter, what are your plans? Is it going back to Cape Town or do you have any other plans? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. I know I definitely want to spend a bit more time in the UK this year. Uh, so I think at least up until Christmas, I'll probably be be here just getting strong again and sorting out or ironing out any um, issues I have. Hopefully it's all yeah, gone by then. Done. <laughs> but just spending a bit more time with our SNC and and physios, just getting myself right. And then hopefully after Christmas I can go overseas somewhere and get some sunshine and play some cricket. Oh, that, that sounds lovely. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you so much for this. Like, especially talking about the injuries and so on, all those fellow suffering injury laden people out there, I'm sure can sympathize with you, but not quite you know, as a professional sportsman. But anyway, thank you so much for that. Like last week, guys, when you join us after the break, we'll be quizzing Gilly on some of the questions that you've sent in and also finding out stuff like his Kent Top 6. So please join us after this. 
Hi guys, Gilly here. We hope you're enjoying the Ken Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. Just a quick acknowledgement to our partners. We've got WW Martin, a major sponsor of our Ken's One Day Cup team. Black Opal Travel Group, major sponsor of our men's first class team. Shepherd Neem, official beer supplier, major sponsor of men's Vitality Blast team and the Spitfire Ground St. Lawrence. We've also got FGS Plant, official sponsor of Ken Cricket, Barrett's Motor Group, our official training kit partner, Castor, our official kit supplier, and Bayless Executive Travel Limited, our official travel partner. And last but not least, we've got our official charity partner for the 2023 season, Porchlight. Cheers, guys. Welcome back to the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. I'm joined still by Gilly. Now, this is the fun part of the show again. So, Q&As, some sent in from fans. Uh, let, let's start with them. So, we've got Harry from Canterbury. What's your favourite form of cricket? I think because I've played the most, or mainly four-day cricket up until now, um, I enjoy four-day cricket the most. It's mentally and physically challenging. And sometimes I'm thinking, what am I doing? But when you win or when you work hard for a wicket and you finally get a wicket, it's definitely more rewarding than the shorter formats. So yeah, I'd say four-day cricket. So even when you see those flat wickets as a fast bowler, you're still thinking four-day cricket? <laughs> yeah, that's when you rock up on day one, you see it's flat. You just know it's going to be long for you for yeah. the next four days. But like I said, if you manage to get the win at the end of the four days or three days, whatever it is, then it's, it is a lot more, more rewarding. Nice. Uh, Finn, aged eight, from Ashford. Who's your best friend in the Kent squad? Best friend? Um, I so I live with Tawanda Muyeye, and um, me and him get along really well. He's like my little brother. I have to. I feel like I'm as like I have to look after him sometimes, but uh, we get on really well. Well, he's obviously on this like huge rise at the moment, especially yeah. this season in the public yeah. eye. How how has he taken that from what you've seen as his his close friend? Um, <laughs> I don't want to say too many nice things about him. Okay. <laughs> no, he's he's actually taking it really well. He's we. I think everyone else in the squad knew that he had this potential, and I've said to him before that he doesn't realize how good he is. And I think over the last two seasons, you could see that he was super super talented. But this year, it's I think I've said to him, it's kind of all come together and. Like with the performances in the in the blast and even in some of the four day games, obviously got his first hundred hundred and eighty. Yeah. It was I was everyone can just tell this he's gonna be an unreal player for the for Kent and, and England yeah. in the future. And nice guy. And a, sometimes nice guy. <laughs> when he does his washing up. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's a rumour going round. Okay. And I want you to confirm this for me. Right. That you are trying to become a bit of a wine buff. Is this true? <laughs> um, I'm I'm trying. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do. I do really enjoy my wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously growing up in South Africa, there's a lot of really nice wines everywhere you go, and the last few years, just really enjoyed drinking wine. I really enjoyed. I have quite a few bottles at home that I need to that need to be drunk, but I'll save that for the off season. Very good. Very good. Uh, fashion. I've heard you're into your fashion. Where's this come from? I try, I try. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it started in, in COVID, I think, when we just had endless amounts of time off and I didn't really know what I was doing myself. And 
I thought, well, I want to do something away from crickets just to get my mind off of it. And I've always been interested in fashion. And um, I thought that year, in that that summer where we weren't playing at the time, well, there's no better opportunity than now to see if I like it and pursue it further. So I did a fashion design course and I haven't continued any other course since then, but I definitely, I definitely want to. But yeah, it's just, I get a lot of stick in the dressing room sometimes from, from some certain people. But can um, you name one of them? Well, there was actually a video that went out the other day mm-hmm. where we got asked who's the worst dressed in the Ken squad. Yeah. And I was watching this video happily until my name got mentioned. How dare By you? Jack Leaning. And what is his dress sense like? Well, he thinks that it's still fashionable to wear these jeans that are so tight they block off circulation to your legs. Um, so I don't know if it's like a certain form of recovery tights that he likes to wear, like two in one. That so he's getting it. his recovery while he's having dinner on, or on a night out, which is kind of strange. But he's the one who called me out, so I'm going to have to call him out Absolutely. Uh, I want to know then from your fashion lens, the bucket hat. Okay. You got one on now. What are your opinions on them? I'm I'm here for it. You're all for the bucket. I'm all hat. for it. Yeah. Excellent. I think they've obviously been brought into the limelight recently this summer from England, but I'm here for it. Here for the bucket hat. Perfect. Okay. Did you play any other sports while growing up? I did. Played a lot of hockey when I was growing up. Yeah. Um my primary school you'd think that I would would have played rugby when I was obviously because I'm massive because <laughs> um, I'm from South Africa, quite a big rugby country. But sure. my primary school, the they didn't have rugby. So when I went to high school, the rugby and hockey season were the same. So I had to choose one, and so I just carried on playing hockey, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. So what position? I was sent forward, ah, banging the goals. Absolutely. In. Uh, okay, this is something that I personally want to ask: is is there obviously there's a WhatsApp group between yeah. you? But take this last week while the team's been away. I don't know about what happens on the professional level because when I say people aren't playing for village cricket, you get lots of messages going, what's the score? What's the score? What are you guys doing? What is wrong with you? Does this ever get thrown into the Kent group chat? How's the game going, guys? Um, No. 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 We, unfortunately not, no. We, every game we have to hand in our phones. So the, the squad is at the game. No one's on their phone or shouldn't be on their phone. Okay. But, and then everyone else who's not at the game, they'll just follow the game on, on whatever app they have on their phone. Well, that's something I didn't know. So the messages fly in when someone does well, like if someone gets a hundred or a five or the, the team wins then there'll be messages coming through, but no, no one's asking what the score is. <laughs> who's the most vocal on the group chat then? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Whoever, whoever squad info, that's just like basic, just be on the bus at this time or whatever. Sure. Um, but then whoever squad band, which is just the players. Mm-hmm. And there's a few that are quite vocal. I know Jordan Cox likes to right. give out some stick. But usually there's just some like stupid videos that get sent to the group and everyone laughs or, or not laugh. <laughs> but... Yeah, no one's no one's overly vocal, I don't think. No? No. Fair enough. Okay. So we did this last week with Pose and it was very good. If you could describe this one day cup squad in one word, what would it be? Um Exciting. Exciting, excellent. 
Okay, I want to bring up a part of your career which, because you've been brilliant so far, but there was a part where you were getting notoriety for, was it a certain collection of ducks? <laughs> yes. Was this ever brought up when you went out to bat? How, did you ever get sledged? Was, what is oh, your yeah. worst bit of sledging you've had while playing professional cricket? Um, <laughs> Airable as well, please. <laughs> well, yeah, there's probably not a lot I can say yeah. about what was said to me. But I think it started off like that. Right. And then as they went on, it became a bit of more like a like a joke. Yeah. Um, which at the time I was going, I like, <laughs> I was, there was a time where I was like, what am I doing? I'm like depressed. And then after a while I was like, it's just funny. So, because yeah. I know I can bat, but I was just going through a phase where I just could not get a run. Yeah, like towards the end, it was nothing nasty towards me. It was just like... It was just little jibes, little jokes. Okay, last week we did. We got Hoj to say his top six. So just a quick recap for people. That is people that you've played with for Kent. If you were kind of taking like a football five side, but in this yeah. case, a six. So a couple right. batters, a couple bowlers, wicket keeper would be good. Maybe an all-rounder. Okay. Who are you putting into your top six and why? Okay. Um, opening batters... I'll have to say uh, Zach Crawley. Mm-hmm. He's obviously, he's a gun and he's one of my good mates as well. But um, obviously, well, the summer he's had this year and yeah, yeah well, he's, he's definitely in there. Second opening batter, I'd say, I'll say Deebs. Mm. Deebs, yeah, he's, he obviously smacks it in any format he plays. And especially in the T20 as an opener, he's, I wouldn't want to bowl to him. So he's definitely in there. Um, all around, I would say Steve-O. Legend. Because he's just, he's just Steve-O and he just does things that not many other people can do. And he's a legend as well. I've got three more. Wikikeeper. Ollie Rob, Ollie Robinson, mm-hmm. who, who was with us the last few, few seasons. He's an unbelievable keeper and batter as well. And again, just a really good guy. And then bowlers wise, I'd have to say Matt Henry. He's, He's come just, up the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. It's yeah, it's sad seeing him playing for Somerset at the moment because he's tearing it up. But he's he was tearing it up when he played for Kent as well. So he'll he'll be in there. Um, and my second bowler. Good question. I'll say. I'll say Navdeep Saini. Nice. Because he bowls rockets. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he a good guy joining your team. That is a great six. Actually, just before you go, I've just been made aware that right now uh, is uh, an 18s game going on at Canterbury. And the opener who turned up when he was 11 had the same IQ as Einstein. So I'd like to know, what? which is crazy, who would you say has the highest IQ? In, in the in Kent the squad. squad, yeah. To rival Einstein. I think Zach will like to think it's him. Okay. Um, and people can't really argue with him because he just like outwits people. So he's clever mm-hmm. in that way. But I'd say book smart Marcus, Marcus O'Reardon. Nice. He's he's on it. Not not many other other guys can touch him in that sense. Well. Um, yeah, I'd say he's number one. Thank you so much for your time today, Gilly. People, come on, come and support Kent. Uh, I read it out last week, but 
Get your tickets at tickets.kentcricket.co.uk for the One Day Cup. Come support the boys. Remember, for this summer, under 15s tickets are just £1 in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. So come down and support the guys. There's another game at Beckenham and then at the Canterbury Ground. Go onto the website, get your tickets. Gilly, again, thank you so much. I've really loved talking to you. Some great insights into the Kent squad. Good luck for the rest of the season and for the winter to come. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much.